0: Visit carp.ca.
2: Good afternoon and welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Libby's Nimer. We're in the home stretch, less than a week to go until the big day. And while it's the time of year for parties, treats, friends, and family, all of it comes with a lot of stress. If you've ever cooked a Christmas dinner, you know how much time and hard work it takes. Well, today, culinary guru Lucy Waverman will give us tips on how to plan and prepare a simple, elegant, and delicious holiday feast. Another stressful part of the holidays can be the who, where, and when part of planning your family time. This can be especially true for Zoomers with adult children who are starting their own traditions. Dr. Kathy McCoy has advice on how to help make these negotiations peaceful. But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. A call for an expanded Canada pension plan by the Trudeau Liberals is expected to get strong support from most provinces. Finance Minister Bill Morneau and his provincial and territorial counterparts are meeting in Ottawa this Sunday and Monday. Earlier in the week, Morneau told reporters that CPP reform will be an important issue on the agenda. Trudeau's government will need two-thirds of the provinces to agree before going ahead. Ontario's Finance Minister Charles Souza led the push for CPP expansion. He says this meeting could determine whether Ontario chooses to focus on its own provincial plan or a new national pension plan. The federal government is looking at conducting a two-month public consultation on medically assisted dying in order to have a new law drawn up, studied, debated and passed by June. Last February, the High Court struck down the ban on doctor-assisted death and gave Ottawa one year to come up with a new law. Trudeau and his Liberals have requested a six-month extension. Government House leader Dominic LeBlanc suggests the last-minute rush could have been avoided had the Harper Conservatives adopted a Liberal motion last March to create a special parliamentary committee on the subject. And finally... It was no ordinary birthday for Dick Van Dyke. It's a jolly holiday with Mary. The actor celebrated turning 90 with a trip to Disneyland. And while he was there, he got the surprise of a lifetime. While enjoying lunch on a patio with his wife, a giant flash mob formed and sang a number of his iconic songs from Mary Poppins. Mr. Van Dyke clearly enjoyed the surprise. By the end, he had joined the group to lead a rousing rendition of Let's Go Fly a Kite. Let's go fly a kite up to the highest, highest. I'm Libby Snymer and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. Many of us are looking forward to family time over the holidays. But for Zoomers with adult children, there can be an added point of stress. What happens when those millennials make plans to spend prime celebration time with in-laws, friends, or their own kids? What's the best way to navigate the desire to maintain cherished traditions and the need for change? I reached family therapist Kathy McCoy in California. I think many times, you know,
3: parents make it a test of loyalty. And, you know, it's easy to do that. You want your kids with you for Christmas. And, um, you know, unfortunately, that's not always possible. So I think, you know, there are a couple of things that one can do. I recently talked with a person who has made December 23rd his very special day with his kids. And uh, he is divorced, and the kids are also married and have Mm in-laws. So they um, have a kind of designated the 23rd as their very special day, and then spends the 25th either um, doing volunteer work with his church or sometimes going to a special movie or doing something that, uh, you know, just really pleases him. So I think, you know, as our children grow and their families grow um, it's really a, a challenge, but very important to um, find new ways to be. So I think the, the thing to keep in mind most of all, particularly in trying to
0: maintain
3: a good relationship with your adult child, is to not force hard choices on them and, and you know, not to make it a test of loyalty if they're choosing to spend... Uh, part or all of the holidays with either other family or with in-laws or with friends.
2: How do the children decide? I mean, who gets Christmas and who gets Christmas Eve or whatever? I think they to kind of sit down and come up with a plan together.
3: I think it can feel like a bit of a marathon, too, when I've seen some young couples having two Christmas dinners or two Thanksgiving (laughs) dinners and, you know, trying to please everybody. And, you know, the parents are upset that they don't stay longer and they're upset that they're running around and, you know, eating multiple dinners trying to please everybody and not pleasing themselves.
2: Do you have any advice for people who have a, a hard time being flexible on that? If
3: you want to be part of your adult child's life, get some alternate rituals going, or do something that particularly pleases you, or to simply enjoy the people who do show up, and, you know, view the absent people without rancor or resentment. Um, you know, that that can be a start.
2: You're focusing uh, on the parents being rigid. Uh, in my experience, sometimes it's adult children who are the most resistant to change and want things to be exactly as they were growing up.
3: Yeah, well that's true, that's true and I think that it's an excellent point that both sides need to be flexible because I think at some point you know maybe parents get to the point where they think oh my god I don't know if I'm up to cooking a dinner for 30 people again and you know want to hand it off to The next generation, and of course that changes the dynamics too. And I, you know, and it's very hard. I think sometimes when and parents are maybe changing something. I I had a family in therapy a couple of years ago where the parents were selling the family home and moving to a condo in Florida, and uh, the kids were kind of horrified about, oh, my gosh, this is our last Christmas in our old house, and do you really have to move? And um, so they were facing having some very different holidays, and um, there were two who were quite resentful of that. And I think,
2: you know, empathy on all sides is important. Do you have any advice for people who are perhaps taking over the holiday for the first time? It can be very difficult and emotional. So for somebody just starting out, I would say... um,
3: you know don't worry about doing everything just right. you know celebrate the people who are there and ask for their help.
2: What about um new relationships? I mean, how do you accommodate people split up, they have new partners, and some people are resistant to that as well. How do you oh yeah, deal well, with that
3: That is tough. I think I've had some people. Um, in therapy, who made the decision the first year or so to celebrate separately from their new partners. But it's kind of postponing the situation until everybody knows each other a little bit better. Again, having discussions with the people involved well beforehand, rather than simply insisting that, well, You know, you accept my girlfriend or you don't join us for the holidays is, you know, that's not workable either. I think that for the new partner, it's important to be sensitive to the children and the grandchildren. You know, I think each family has their own particular areas of sensitivity and their own tolerance for what's possible for them.
2: Okay. I think that about does it. Thank you so much. Okay. Bye-bye. Great. Thank you. I've been speaking with Dr. Kathy McCoy, author of Making Peace with Your Adult Children. I'm Libby Zneimer, and this is the Zoomer Weekend Review. If you're hosting a Christmas dinner this year, you'll want to hear the tips my next guest has. Coming up, culinary wizard Lucy Waverman will tell us how we can save time and stress while still cooking a feast fit for the holidays.
0: You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by Carp, a new vision of aging. Support Carp with your membership today. Visit carp.ca.
2: If you're hosting a Christmas dinner, you're probably spending the coming week planning and shopping for ingredients. For many of us, it's the most elaborate and stressful meal of the entire year. How to make sure that everything turns out beautifully and you're not an exhausted wreck by the time the guests arrive? Here's cooking guru Lucy Waverman.
4: Are there any emerging traditional meals for the holiday? Judging just by questions that I get is that families are smaller, Um, whereas Christmas at one point consisted of, you know, 16, 20 people, and the big turkey was definitely the centerpiece. So there is a trend towards looking for smaller things to be able to do. And certainly from my point of view, a capon, which feeds six people beautifully, is the best substitute. I like it better than turkey. It has more flavor. Um, it's juicier. So I think that, that that is a trend that's happening. Turkey breasts um, with the skin on, just and even sometimes on the bone, are another trend. A lot of people are turning to tr- turkey breasts. Now, the problem with turkey breast is that turkey breasts can really be dry and boring because it's just all white meat. That's See, what I'm doing, stuffed and brined. Well, that's what I was going to say to you. Yeah. Okay. You have to stuff it or massage it with butter and herbs and spices and brine. But this year I did something different with the turkey breast. Or, um, I, I dry brined it, which basically means... It's sort of like koshering. Mm-hmm. So you take salt right. and you rub it all over the turkey breast and you leave it for 6 hours in the refrigerator and then you take it out then you wash off all the salt and then you do a nice flavor butter or a stuffing whatever you want all around it and it really does taste better.
2: I have one pet peeve. I I am doing breast this year. Usually we do a whole a smallish whole turkey. Every recipe I see for and a fresh turkey, not frozen has the wrong time. I mean, it's taken
4: me years, but every recipe will say this is going to take three and a half hours. Three hours takes two and a half hours. That would be it. Turkey breast timing is out too, because we made actually a number of turkey breasts. And each time, the turkey breast of around four pounds took somewhere between an hour, an hour and 15 minutes. And that's stuffed? That was not stuffed. So a stuffed turkey breast? Ten more minutes, yeah.
2: I think now there's a whole added level of complexity because people have all kinds of food aversions and and particularities, and they're not
4: shy about letting you know about them. (laughs) It's true. It's true that, you know, vegans, vegetarians, gluten-free, you know, everything now plays a part. There are two ways of handling it. One way is to say, I'm making lots of things. There will be things that you will be able to eat. And in a way, I think that's the most sensible approach. Otherwise, you can drive yourself crazy. Um, and the other way is to really look into making other things for people who have problems. I think that vegetarianism is the easiest one to deal with. If if you're having turkey, you're always making a whole bunch of side dishes. And one of the things that I've found that really works for vegetarians is, you know, you're st- when you're stuffing the turkey – um, take some of the, the stuffing out, as long as it's not a meat stuffing, as long as it's sort of apples and sage right. and all the rest of it, and take big portobello mushrooms and stuff them and roast them at the same time as you're roasting the turkey. And then people feel that they really have something Christmassy. It's got stuffing. It's kind of meaty tasting. Um, these are easy things to do. How long should you cook a stuffed mushroom A like stuffed that? mushroom probably takes about 45 minutes.
2: Now, back to the gluten free stuffing.
4: Is that just a rice stuffing? Is that your only option? You know, saute a bunch of onions and chop up a bunch of root vegetables and add them in, like small, and add them in and um, put in maybe some apples. I would hold it together with something like sausage meat. Mm-hmm. You don't need to use any, uh, any kind of bread or, you know, gluten-free bread or anything for a stuffing like that. And it's really tasty, too. And it's, pra- it's practically a side dish. Well, it is a side dish that anybody could eat.
2: Give us a little uh, primer on um, budgeting your time for getting the meal ready so that you aren't a total wreck by the time the guests arrive.
4: Well, there are many things that can be made really successfully ahead of time. Vegetables, for example, if you're doing if you're roasting Brussels sprouts, you can easily roast them two days ahead of time, and you can microwave them to reheat them. Green beans are another vegetable that work really well ahead of time. So how how soon can you do the green beans? Oh, you can do them the day before. And where you just got to make you've got to make sure that once you've cooked them, um, like once you've boiled them, that you pour cold water over them till they're cold, and then they'll hold their color. Okay. And then throw them into some sort of microwave dish with dots of butter and maybe a little bit of garlic and lemon juice and just microwave them. For how long? Uh, two minutes. And do you keep them in the fridge and do you have to get them to room temperature? It's better to get them to room temperature. It's better to get everything to room temperature before you cook it. But, so those are two things. The other thing is things like mashed potatoes. Yeah. Mashed potatoes really can be made ahead of time. So you can get them all mashed and get them and this is a, a tip from my mother from years ago. Add a little bit of horseradish juice into them, it keeps them whiter. And put them into a big buttered gratin dish and then bake them for about it takes maybe twenty five minutes if you've got oven if you've got oven room. And your potatoes are ready. Okay, anything else that we should know before we roll up our sleeves? (laughs) Just to have a good time, you know, make it an experience that's fun and try to include some of your family members in with it. That is definitely one of the easier ways to do Christmas. Either tell them to make something or hope that they'll help you. Okay. (laughs) On that note, have a lovely Christmas. Lucy Waverman, thanks so much. (laughs) Thanks,
2: Libby. You can get more tips and recipes from Lucy Waverman by visiting her website, lucywaverman.com. I'm Libby Zneimer, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. At 80 years old, a Canadian musical icon has just released a brand-new Christmas song. We'll hear it next.
0: You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca.
2: Welcome back to the Zoomer Week in Review. All things Zoomer worldwide, it's time for your International Arts Datebook. Tips for those of you who are jetting around the world. Here's Jane Brown. The costumes of Star Wars are featured in a
1: new traveling exhibit from the Smithsonian. Project director Saul Drake thinks fashions from the new movie The Force Awakens will be familiar to fans of the original movies. It's kind of almost a return to the classic style of costume. Uh, they're very sparse, you know, they're very monotone. There's not a lot of embellishments on there. Star Wars and the Power of Costume is on display at Discovery Times Square in New York City until September of 2016. The Art Institute of Chicago is unveiling the largest gift in the gallery's 136-year history. 44 iconic works by artists such as Andy Warhol, Roy Lichtenstein, and Jasper Johns are on display in an exhibition called The New Contemporary, the Edlis Neeson Collection. To London, England, where the Dr. Seuss classic The Lorax has been brought to life on stage. The Lorax is at the Old Vic Theater. And in Kiev, an exhibition called The Art of the Ukrainian Sixties displays works that had been inaccessible to the wide public for decades because of Soviet repression. It's at the National Art Museum of Ukraine. I'm Jane Brown, and that's the
2: International Arts Datebook. Ronnie Hawkins, also known as the Hawk, has been an iconic member of the Canadian music scene since the 1960s. The past few years have been tough on the Hawk. He's suffered numerous setbacks in his health and had to fight very hard to reach his 80th birthday earlier this year. But now it appears he's embarking on a comeback, both with his health and his music. He's just released two brand-new singles produced by none other than his good friend Gordon Lightfoot. One of those songs happens to be a holiday song. Here is Ronnie Hawkins with Christmas Must Be Tonight. Come down to the manger.
4: See the little stranger.
2: That was Ronnie Hawkins with his brand new song, Christmas Must Be Tonight. And that brings us to the end of this edition of the Zoomer Week in Review. I'm Louise Neimer. Thanks for being here today. I'd like to wish you and your loved ones a very happy holiday season. Be sure to come back next week for a look at the year that was and some year-end financial tips.
0: You've been listening to the Zoomer Week in Review. Produced by MZ Media Limited. Executive producer, Moses Neimer. Produced by Paul Thomas. Program director, John Bandreel.